Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. to turn in your Bibles, if you will, please, to Nehemiah chapter number 8. And uh, today I'm going to wrap up this sermon series that we've been in with, uh, with Nehemiah. And we've been talking about, just simply talking about the Nehemiah journal, okay? And uh, let me get out of my announcement page. All right, Nehemiah chapter 8, I want us to look at verse, thir- verse 13 and following, Okay? Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 13 and following. So um, let me set the stage here a little bit before we actually get into verse number 13 so you understand what's taking place here, okay? Nehemiah, obviously you know the story. He's gone back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. There's a twofold mission that he has. One is to rebuild the literal walls, the brick and the mortar, mortar, to get that rebuilt. The second thing is to rebuild the people, the morale of the people. The people were devastated. The people had been taken away into captivity for 70 years. And Nehemiah has been on this mission of going and bringing all the people back from the captivity back into Jerusalem. So now they're all there. As we started unpacking Nehemiah chapter 8 last week, we saw that Nehemiah's mission in rebuilding the morale of the people was to use the Word of God. So we find in the Scripture that they built a platform And on this platform, Ezra, the priest, was on the platform and had this pulpit-like thing. And he was reading the Word of God to the people. And the people, when they gathered together in respect of the Word of God, when Ezra started to read, they all stood up. They stood up in reverence and in honor to the Word of God. Okay. Now, I want you to notice something. In Scripture, it says that Ezra started reading about daybreak, and he read until about noon. So that's about a six-hour sermon. I just love to emphasize that. I'm not a long-winded preacher, okay? Nehemiah was, or Ezra was, right? I mean, for six hours. And the people were there, and they were reverencing the Word of God and respecting the Word of God. And then all of a sudden, they started falling on their face before the Lord. This conviction started settling in their hearts and in their spirit. And this repentance started taking over. And they're repenting of their sin and asking and pleading for forgiveness and mourning and grieving over their sin. And Nehemiah stops Ezra and Ezra stops the people and says, Hey guys, this is supposed to be a celebration. God is bringing us back together. So what I want you to do, I want everybody to get up. I want you to stop crying. I want you to stop weeping. It's going to be a joyful time together. I want you to look around and those... Those that have not, I want you to reach into their lives and help them to have the things that they are in need of. In other words, he was saying, I want you to serve one another. Guys, that's a big part of what we need to be doing today as well. And I see about everybody in here fanning, so we may need to get some fans or something going in here. If our guys can work the system, I don't know who's, who's available to do that. I don't see anybody moving. Will somebody go out and get somebody? <laughs> Whoever we got to have out there, somebody come in and get some fans going. Okay? So here we find that, that now they're grieving over their sins and 
And Nehemiah is wanting them to serve one another and reach out to one another and help one another so that they can have a joyful time together, okay? So then they come before the Nehemiah and the scribe the second day, okay? So I want you to notice, first of all, before I get into verse 13, whenever they came together initially and Ezra was reading the scripture to the people, there were also people among the people that were helping to give understanding. you got to understand, these folks have been carried away into captivity for 70 years. Many of them were born in captivity. Many of them had not heard or even received the Word of God. So they didn't really know what God's Word said. Some of them even spoke different languages, and there was a language barrier as well. So there were people stationed among the people to help them understand the Word of God that was being proclaimed to all the people. Now we're in the second day. Everybody say second day. Okay, that's where we pick up in verse number 13. So Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 13. On the second day, the family leaders of all the people, along with the priests and the Levites, assembled before Ezra the scribe to study the words of the law. Now get this, they are hungry for the word of God. They are gathering together on the second day to study The words of the law. Are you hungry for the word? And I'm going to get into that in a moment. But are you hungry for the word of God? I mean, these folks have been grieving. They've been mourning. They've been away in captivity for 70 years. But now joy is being restored to their life. But it's being restored through the word of God. So they're hungry for the word of God. So they're back at the second day. And they're studying the word of God again. Verse 14. They found written, I think this is ironic, they found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should dwell in booths. Everybody say booths. That they should dwell in these booths during the festival of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and spread this news throughout their towns in Jerusalem saying, Go out to the hill country and bring back branches of olive and wild olive and myrtle and palm and other leafy trees to make booths just as it is written. And the people went out and they brought back branches and they made booths for themselves on each of their rooftops and courtyards in the court of the house of God and the square of the water gate and the square of the gate of Ephraim. The whole community that had returned from exile made booths and lived in them. Now where did they discover the booths? From the word of God, right? Did they know about the booths before they got into the word of God? No, they didn't, did they? But as they're reading, as, as Ezra's reading the Word of God, then as the teachers are among the people explaining and giving understanding of the Word of God, they read about these booths. So as soon as they read about the festival of booths and what was taking place, they then said, ho, ho, stop. And they turned around and they said, we need to apply this to all the people. I love the application that was taking place even in Ezra's day and Nehemiah's day. To the people, they need to respond And do the word of God, right? It's one thing to hear it. It's something else to, come on, say it, finish it for me. Do it, right? We've got to live it. So here they are now going out and actually putting into practice what they've read and studied in the word of God. Verse 17, the whole community that had returned from exile made booths and lived in them. And they had not celebrated like this from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day. And there was tremendous joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. Did they have joy prior to this when they're assembled there the day before? 
No, they were mourning. They were grieving. And Nehemiah and Ezra said, we want you guys to rejoice. The way to rejoice is to get into the Word of God, allow the Word of God to transform and change your life, start applying the Word of God to your life, go out and be obedient to the Word of God. Now joy is showing up among the people when they're involved in this festival of booths. Verse 18, And Ezra read out of the book of the law of God every day, from the first day to the last. And the Israelites celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day there was an assembly according to the ordinance. Now here's what I want you to get. I'm going to give you, um, just real quick, three points of application that really ties in the entire eight chapters of Nehemiah together and gives us something we can leave here and start applying to our life, okay? The people of Israel were looking for joy, right? They were trying to reclaim their joy. And in looking for their joy, that led them to repentance. It led them to reverence to the Word of God. It led them to understanding the Word of God. And they really started getting into submission to the Word of God. They started being obedient to the Word of God, living out the Word of God. All of a sudden now, we see that joy now has come back to the people. So if there's any folks, just a sidebar here, if there's anybody here that feel like they've lost their joy, it's probably because you've gotten out of the Word of God. When you stay in the Word of God and study it and apply it to your life and live by it and be obedient to it and live out the principles of God's Word, you'll be amazed at the joy that's in your life in the midst of very troubling and difficult circumstances that we find ourselves in, right? That's a sidebar. It's not even the sermon. Just threw that out there for you, okay? Here's what I want you to get. There's three things that these people did that helped them live out their joy that I think we can do that can help us live out our joy in the Lord. The first thing is they built booths. Now, what were these booths? Back in the law of Scripture, you'll find that the Lord... Talked to Moses, and he told Moses to tell the people, said, on the, in the seventh month of the year, this was an annual festival, on the seventh month of the year, I want you to celebrate the festival of booths. And what I want you to do is to go outside your homes and go out in your areas, in your courtyards and on your rooftops, we find they did in Nehemiah 8, and he said, I want you to go out and get these branches and bring all these limbs together that have leaves on them, and I want you to build this temporary shelter. And then I want you to live in this temporary shelter, get outside your homes, live in this temporary shelter for seven days. Now, what was the point in all of that? The point of all of that was that the people would remember how the Lord God provided for them those 40 years that they were in the wilderness. Guys, do you realize they were in the wilderness for 40 years? There wasn't a Walmart close by there wasn't a shopping mall close by. There was no place to buy shoes or clothing. The food was given to them by God. God allowed their shoes to last for 40 years, right? Their clothing to last for 40 years. I mean, everything was there. He provided for them manna from heaven. All the food they needed, all the water they needed was provided for them. But God knew that once they got into a comfortable place, that they would then forget about Him so he built into the law for them that the seventh month of every year, I want you to move outside of your comfortable place, move outside of your homes, into these temporary shelters, and what I want you to do is to remember how I provided for all of your needs for those 40 years that you were in the wilderness. Now, guys, I find that we do that very same thing. 
We get to a place in our life where we get very comfortable, right? Where everything's taken care of, the power bill's paid, the job's okay, the house is okay, we've got shelter over our head, we've got food on the table. It may not be the best meal that we want every night, but at least there's food on the table, right? At my table, it's the best meal every, every day. It's exactly what I was looking for, right? So we, we kind of get in this comfort zone, don't we? Right? And we start forgetting how God has provided for us all through the years. So what God told the people to do, build a booth. Now here's what I want you to do. You say, uh-oh, this preacher is going to tell me to go up in the woods and get some sticks and build a booth and go live in that for seven days with my family. No, 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 no. That, you don't have to do, go to that extreme. If you want to do that, it would be a great object lesson for your kids. Go do it. Explain to them what you're doing and be a great object lesson. But I don't think we need to literally do that. But here's what we do need to do. Every single one of us need a booth mentality. Are you with me? We all need a booth mentality. Now, what do I mean whenever I talk about having a booth mentality? I mean, we must live our life in total dependence upon the Lord. Hebrews 11, that I just read to you earlier. Hebrews 11:6. without faith, without total dependence upon God, it is impossible to please Him. Now, if I want to please the Lord, then I must learn to live in the festival of booths. I must learn to live in a way that I'm totally dependent upon God in everything that I do. Not just my spiritual life. That's where it begins. But it's more than that. It's not just in my spiritual life. However, that's where it starts. And for those that may not be familiar with that, let me tell you, that starts with Jesus, right? It's not being a religious person. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about what you do. It's about what He has done. Amen? Can I get a witness? It's about the finished work of the cross. It's about Calvary. We're getting ready to celebrate that. It's about the resurrection. It's about trusting in Jesus. But I just want you to see, that's just the spiritual aspect. There's so much more to life than just the spiritual, right? We think about our relationships. Are we living in total dependence upon God even in our relationships that we have in our families, that we have with our extended family, that we have with our friends, that we have with our coworkers? Are we living in total dependence upon God? Are we living in the booth when it comes to our jobs? Or are we trusting in the, in the job as the sole provider of all of our needs? Let me tell you something. The job is just a tool or a blessing that God has given you. God is the provider of all of your needs, not your job. Right? We need to have a booth mentality with our careers, a booth mentality with our jobs, a booth mentality with our health, a booth mentality with our relationships. Every area of our life, we must live totally dependent upon the Lord. So everybody say booth mentality. Matter of fact, poke your neighbor on the shoulder right now and say, you need a booth mentality. Go ahead. They'll understand what you're talking about. I just explained it to them. Guys, listen. Whenever we live a life dependent upon anything other than God, we're living a life of sin. Whenever we start depending on our own personality or our own abilities or our own talents or our jobs or anything else, that's a life of sin. We need to repent of that. When you say, God, I'm not dependent on those things. You've blessed me maybe with all those things to be able to do the job I'm doing or live the life that I'm living or be in the relationship that I'm in or have the health that I have. But I want to go on record today. It's not because of me that I'm able to do all those things. It's because of you. And I'm living in complete dependence upon the Lord. That's what we need to declare every single day of our life. 
We need to have a booth mentality. The people in Ezra's day, in Nehemiah's day, they went out. And they went out and got branches and they came back into their courtyards and their front yards, their rooftops of their houses around the house of God. And they started building these makeshift um, uh, shelters to live in. And they moved their families in there. Can't you imagine the conversation that those dads were having with their kids? They're like, Dad, there's no PlayStation out here, right? Dad, what in the world? There's no air conditioning, there's no heat or whatever it was they need. Whatever it is we get comfortable with, sometimes, guys, we need to get out of the comfort zone and start living in the booth mentality zone and realizing that God is the one that's in, in, in control of everything, right? And we need to depend on Him. So we need to have the booth. So whenever you leave here today, I want you to leave here with that mentality. I want you to leave here thinking about, I need to live my life in total dependence upon the Lord. In everything. If I do that, I'll have God's approval. I'll have His blessings. He'll be pleased with me out of Hebrews chapter 11. Right? I read all that to you earlier. So I want to please the Lord. How do we please Him? Depend upon Him. He wants you to trust in Him for everything. Right? He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's promised you He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And sometimes God puts us in positions to where we are forced to depend upon Him. Are you with me, church? Hello? Sometimes God puts us in a position where we are forced to, to depend upon Him. Now, at the end of the day, you still get to make a choice, but there it is right in front of you. You either depend upon God or whatever else, right? I've been in those positions. You've been in those positions, right? So that's that booth mentality. The second thing I think we need to apply to our life whenever we look at Nehemiah 1 through chapter 8 is the book. I love this. When I talk about the book, I'm talking about the Bible. Nehemiah pulled in Ezra the scribe. Ezra the scribe started at daybreak, and the scripture tells us that he proclaimed the word of the Lord until noon. For about six hours he was reading the word of God. Then it says the second day the people gathered back together, and they wanted to hear more of the word of God. And then also scripture teaches us that not only was Ezra just standing there proclaiming the word, but among the people he had different teachers among the people that was helping them understand the word. So what I'm talking about that we need every single day, not only do we need a booth mentality, but secondly, every single one of us need to be in the Word of God every single day. We need to be in the book, right? If we're going to have joy in our life in the midst of sometimes some very difficult circumstances, the only way we'll have that is when we're in the book. I just shared with you earlier, and I kind of gave away the thunder to this point earlier. The folks were mourning and grieving and crying. When they heard the word, they were convicted by it. But then when they heard the teachings of the word and they got understanding of the word and they discovered the principles of the word of God, in this situation, the, the festival of boots, they went out and applied it to their life, lived in it literally, and joy and celebration started coming in the midst of them. Guys, a lot of times we've lost our joy because we've gotten out of the book. A lot of times we've lost our joy because we've gotten apart from God. A lot of times we've lost our joy because we're not drawing near to the Lord. We're not hearing God speak. Why is that? It's because we get out of the book. Now guys, actually here in a couple of weeks, the Sunday after Easter, I want you to, to write this down or help um, make a memory in your, in your brain or your notes or something. But the Sunday after Easter, I'm starting a brand new sermon series on prayer. 
I'm, I'm so excited to start this sermon series on prayer. We're going to be unpacking the Lord's Prayer and bringing some application to our lives on how we can pray. But a lot of times the reason why we're not in the book and the reason why we struggle to totally depend upon the Lord is simply because we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to talk to God. We don't know how to have a conversation with the Lord. My sermon series is going to be titled Prayer, The Ultimate Conversation. And we're going to have an 11-week sermon series starting the very first Sunday after Easter. We're going to go for 11 weeks. Now, something I've just started doing, I've built a small studio in my office. And in this 11-week sermon series, I'm going to be videoing a small group study. I'm going to facilitate a small group through the videos for all of our small groups, I'm also going to be putting together a study guide. So you're going to take the sermon that I preach on Sunday. The video will be available for you in your small group. The study guide will be available for you. You watch the video, work through the study guide, and hopefully and prayerfully have some amazing conversations in your small group about prayer. I think it's important that every single one of us learn how to have a conversation with God. We learn how to talk to God, and we learn how to listen to God. It's a two-way conversation, right? And by the way, the Lord gave us two ears and one mouth. So what he's telling us, he wants us to listen twice as much as we talk. Right? So we need to learn how to do that. And I think the best way to learn how to do that is to get into the book. These individuals, these Jewish people, when they came before Nehemiah and Ezra, and he explained to them the, the festival of booths, they went out and did it, they applied it to their lives, and celebration and joy started coming in their lives. And guys, if we want to have joy, we've got to get into the book. And we're going to be doing that. The third thing, point of application, I want to make is the brotherhood. Now, whenever I talk about the brotherhood, I'm talking about primarily the church family. In this instance, it's the people of Israel. You'll see in Nehemiah chapter 8, the first part of the chapter, you'll find where, where, the, where these people got together and they worked Together And they served together. And they built the platform for Ezra. The point is, they put a lot of emphasis and a lot of work into preparing for the worship service that was going to take place whenever Ezra came and declared the Word of God. They built a platform. They built a pulpit area. And they knew that Ezra was going to be there to proclaim the Word of God. So they wanted to work on the worship service experience that day. And the brotherhood came together to do that. Let me ask you a question. We see they put a lot of preparation into coming together to hear the Word of God. What preparation have you done in your heart, in your mind, to come to hear the Word of God? Are you preparing for your worship experience? It reminds me of the little story of a dad and a son that was looking for a church. And they're riding around, they're visiting different churches, and they go to one Sunday morning, another one Sunday night, another one next Sunday, another Sunday night. And so on one Sunday evening, they're at this church, and they go in together, and they go through the service, and the dad and the son are sitting there, and, and all of a sudden they pass the offering plates. Well, as they pass the offering plate, the dad reaches in his pocket. He don't have anything on him but a quarter. So he pulls a quarter out, and he drops it in the offering plate, and it goes on by, and they take up the offering. The service is over. The little boy and the dad are leaving, and they get in their car, and they're driving away, and the, dad's, the little boy says, Dad, he said, uh, did you like that worship service? Did you like that church? And the dad said, no, I didn't, much get, I didn't get much out of that service today. I didn't get much out of the preaching. I didn't get much out of the singing. I, that really, I don't think, is for me. And the little boy looked at dad, and he said, well, dad, what do you expect for a quarter? <laughs> the point is, a lot of times we get out as much as what we put into it. 
Here's what I want to make. What are we putting into our worship experiences? It's more than music and lights and instruments and, and what have you. It's getting our hearts prepared. It's learning how to serve one another. It's getting involved in the brotherhood. Let me tell you something. You want me to tell you how we can explode our worship experience around here? It's not for different songs. It's not for different instruments. It's not even for a different preacher. All of these things are good. You want me to tell you what we need? We need the brotherhood to fall in love with each other. We need the brotherhood to serve. We need a brotherhood to look after one another. Part of our mission statement is that we are a group of people loving God and loving others. Whenever I talk about the brotherhood, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about serving one another. I'm talking about loving on one another. Let me ask you a question. In preparation for our worship today, what did you do last week to reach out to someone in our church family to let them know that you love them? to let them know that you're praying for them, to let them know that you care about them. Most people just kind of go through their week doing their thing, and they really are oblivious to everybody else. But guys, you realize there's a lot of sickness in our church right now? I mean, I think about Andrea's mother. Think about Landon over in the hospital. Help me out with some of these other ones. we got some other sickness. Yeah, think about Bruce up at Springfield Hospital. Think about Cheryl over in the hospital. Jamie's sister, Andrea's Mother, I said that. Who else am I missing? There, there's a lot of sickness in our church. We've already talked about these that are struggling with cancer. What have we done to reach out to these individuals and let them know, hey, I love you. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm here for you. Are we doing that as a church family? Now, sometimes, here's where I'm... Here's where I'm let, me, let me just be completely transparent right here. Sometimes we do that, but we only do it in our small groups. It's like, well, I just care about my small group. I don't care about anybody else. Well, that's wrong. We need to love everybody. Not just your small group, right? We need to care about everyone. So let me ask you, what have you done this past week to reach out to the brotherhood? In Nehemiah chapter 8, the brotherhood came together. They served together. They worked together. They listened together. They went out together. What are we doing? If we want to revitalize our worship experience, what would it be whenever someone is sick and maybe they're in the hospital? What would it be for, for Landon or these others that are struggling with cancer or these others that are sick in the hospital? What would it look like if we were to follow up with them and instead of two or three people reaching out to them, which I know two or three always do this kind of stuff, but instead of just two or three reaching out and say, hey, I'm praying for you, what would it look like if there were 150 people that reached out to them and there were all these cards and coming in the mail to them and phone calls and text messages and emails coming in to them saying, hey, I'm praying for you. You're part of our church family. We love you. If there's anything we can do, let us know. What would it look like if we all did that together? You talk about revitalizing our worship service. You talk about bringing joy in the midst of everything we do here at Victory. If we were a church that not only said, hey, yes, we are going to love each other, if we just quit talking about it and we started literally doing it, everybody doing it, it would transform the worship around here. Say amen or oh me, but you know I'm telling you the truth. Right? We are to be loving on one another. So if we haven't done it in this past week, guess what? Today's a brand new day. Hello? A brand new week's right ahead of us. You know, and we can give you... Call into the office. Say, hey, is there anybody in need of anything today? We always have lists of people in need and lists of people to pray for and, and what have you. Call and find out. We'll give it to you. And let's all intentionally go out there and love on them and serve them. Wouldn't that be amazing if we all did that every day? Come on, guys. You know it would be great, right? 
Okay, I'm going to tell you like Nehemiah. Get up, stop your weeping, stop your crying. It's supposed to be a joyful time together, right? The brotherhood. I want us to be a church. I want us to be a church that really lives and has the booth mentality. We live completely dependent upon the Lord in everything we do. And of course the book has top priority and authority in everything we do here at Victory Church. And I wish the brotherhood would really get actively involved, not just a few. And we have some that are very concerned. We have a handful with our congregation. But I wish it was everybody. Everybody can send an email. Everybody can send a text message. Everybody can make a phone call or drop a letter in the mail and say, Hey, just want you to know I love you. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of the church family. We're part of the brotherhood. I just want you to know we're here for you if you need anything. Wouldn't that be amazing if everybody did that every single week? Let's learn to love on the brotherhood. Now, one more thing before I close. This coming weekend is our, our men's retreat. And I'm real excited about this. I think of last count we had like 20 some odd men signed up. But if you haven't signed up, today's the deadline. We, we need you to sign up today. We have to go buy groceries this week. And we're going to have a, have a good meal Friday night. We're going to have an amazing breakfast Saturday morning. Then we're going to have lunch on Saturday. But we're going down to Camp Hope. I'd love for all of our guys, age 12 and up, our men, come and be with us. We want you to be down there with us because here's what we want to do. And by the way, we have uh, Pastor Jamie Lee, and he's our new Illinois church planner that's moving to Champaign to plant a church. Uh, he's going to be our speaker on Friday evening and Saturday morning, and he's pumped. I had lunch with him on Friday. Uh, he had to be at St. Louis Airport. He's flown out to uh, Arizona today to do mission conferences. But he's excited about coming back and preaching our men's retreat this Friday and Saturday. So I want to encourage all of you guys, come and be a part of that. Join up with us. Let's learn to love on each other, right? Get our men, our brotherhood of men together. And let's build a bond together. And let's grow spiritually together and mentally and physically, everything else. Let's just be brothers together, okay? So that kind of starts when we do things together. So I want to invite you all to be part of our men's retreat, okay? But here's what I want us all to do as a church family. Let's put emphasis on the brotherhood, okay? Let's do that. Let's reach out and serve one another. So if we want joy in our life, go ahead and put that last slide up there, Byron. And Van, you guys can come. I'm done. If we want joy in our life, if we want to get strength, then we need to live in the booth once in a while, right? We need to have that booth mentality. That we're totally dependent upon God. We need to have those moments in our life when we step out on faith and we're really not sure what the next step is, but we know it's where God's leading us. And we're stepping out on faith. Have that booth mentality. And then read the book and bless the brotherhood. Read the book, bless the brotherhood. If we'll do those three things, we can, that's the takeaway from Nehemiah chapter 1 down through verse number 8 is to live in the booth, read the book, and bless the brotherhood. And I promise you, you live in that statement and you'll have joy. You'll have to have it. No other way around it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together today. And I just pray your blessings on the Word of God today. And pray, God, you help us to be men and women that do have a booth mentality where we totally depend upon you. And God, help us to stay in the book. We need to be as much in love with the Word of God as we are anything else that we may read on a daily basis. Help us, God, to be men and women that dig into the Word of God and seek understanding from your Word. And Father, help us, Lord, to, to bless the brotherhood. And God, we've got a lot of sickness in our church. 
We've got people that are going through different things. And I think about Spencer. That's away at the Army Basic Training in Fort Leonard Wood now. Father, I pray that you even be with him. Watch over him. Pray you be with Tammy, his mother. And I know she's grieving and is worrying about her son. And I pray, God, that there will be a church family that reaches out even to her. And God, for everyone that's here, help us, Lord, to love on each other. Help us, God, to, to bless the brotherhood. Father, we ask your blessings on our time together. As heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, just let me ask you this question. Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And if not, I just want you to know that's where all of this begins. So going into this Easter season, I can't think of anything more magnificent than giving your heart and giving your life to Christ. So right now, we simply just pray a prayer like this. Say, Dear God, I realize that I'm a sinner. That you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in my place. All of my sins were placed upon him. He was buried. He rose again victoriously the third day. Father, I believe that. And right now, I just pray that you forgive me. I repent of my sins. I seek and ask for your forgiveness. And I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.